Welcome to Reconceive with Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield. Over the next hour, Deborah, Tracy, and their guests will help you understand therapist burnout and how to feel better now. Listen close to bring vitality back to your practice. Now, here are Deborah and Tracy. Welcome to Reconceive. I'm Deborah. And I'm Tracy. And we're here to talk about our new, new series on Help for the Healer. How to help ourselves deal with burnout, feel better, become more energized, and learn ways, new ways to practice. The health of the therapist determines the effectiveness of therapy, but as helping professionals, how do we take care of ourselves, get healthy, while seven of our clients are texting us unable to get themselves calm? As health practitioners, we provide frontline health care right now. We talk every day with people who are contemplating suicide or have lost a family member to COVID. Uh, kids have grown up sized depression right now, and their parents feel hopeless and panicked. Young adults want to launch themselves into the world, but their school and their social experiences, things that used to bring support networks, um, are different. They're, they're uh, unable to manage out there. They languish behind electronic devices of every type, and loneliness darkens their world oftentimes and creates chronic pain in their bodies. So how are we as psychologists, as physicians, as body workers, social workers, supposed to address this emotional pandemic? And how do we deal with our own depleted energy, much less help other people feel better? We think it's all about connection. Yes. So the first thing we want to talk about regarding connection is the idea of self-separation. A lot of people can kind of live life in a way where they are unaware. Mm -hmm. So just kind of walking through life unaware. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I want to ask you to do as audience members, and we'll do it as well, is just think about the idea of coming home to yourself. So I want you to notice how your body feels right now. And just take the time as you're listening to this podcast to think about or to be present and connect with yourself. So I'm Tracy Maxfield. I'm the owner of Inbalance Neuromuscular Therapy. I've been a body worker for the past 12 years. Before that, I taught Pilates. I've also always danced, so I love to dance. My practice, my body work practice, is different than most other therapists because I've really embraced three revolutionary techniques or ideas that are really gaining momentum mm -hmm. in body work and psychotherapy. Yes, they are. The first I'd like to talk about is polyvagal theory. So the main thing about polyvagal theory that I want to address right now, because it's a very big theory, mm -hmm. if you've ever tried to read, you know, some of Stephen Porges's uh, scientific papers, it's really a lot of information. It is. But the main thing I'm interested in right now is the idea of neuroception. So everybody is always scanning the environment unconsciously 
to see if they're safe. Mm. Am I safe? Our brains are geared to help us survive. So we're always scanning the environment to see if we're safe. So that is incoming information. The next one I want to talk about is neuroplasticity. So this idea that our brains can constantly change for the better or for the worse, no matter how old we get. But those changes require new information. So your brains need new information in order to change for the better. So that's the second one. And that's also incoming, or we'll say it's the information gathering. The third is sensory receptor dysfunction. So a lot of people don't know, but software problems are, I, in my opinion and in others' opinion, a bigger problem than hardware problems or hardware uh, issues. And software is feelings? Software is mainly uh, sensory receptor dysfunction caused by physical trauma or emotional trauma. So sensory receptors for hot, cold, uh, vibration, pressure. A lot of people don't know that those get stuck on. Just like if you have this feeling that you're unsafe and it moves you into fight, flight, or freeze, a lot of times people get stuck in those biobehavioral states that don't, don't allow for healing. Right. So the big three revolutionary changes are treating the information gathering side of trauma because a lot of times those adaptive reactions get stuck on. Right. Really good point. And that's part of why I'm working with you, Tracy. Um, so I'm Deborah Cox. I'm a psychologist. And in my work, I would say that I am very relational. In fact, that's how I see the whole world is through a relational lens. Um, I treat relationships and I treat trauma within the context of relationship because that's where it happens and that's where it plays out. So I'm working with Tracy because I feel connected and safe with him. Like he was just saying a moment ago, we're always scanning to see, are we safe? Um, and so I, I enjoy working with him because I, I do feel safe. I feel um, like I'm not going to be hurt um, either you know, literally or metaphorically, I'm in a safe relationship. And we're going to have a lot to say as we go along about that. But another reason that I really enjoy working with Tracy and why I'm doing this with him is um, about beauty and about art, which is a real central focus of my practice in my life. I believe that art saves lives and beauty saves lives. And Tracy is someone who also appreciates profound beauty. And so I feel met in that space. I mean, I can, I can cry at some Beethoven symphonies, literally, I just listen, and I can be transported and, and um, they have a profound effect on me. But I, I watch you um, witnessing 
great dance being performed and you have a similar appreciation for the profound healing nature of that beauty. Absolutely. And you know, my I consider my practice to be polyvagal informed and I've worked with Deborah as a client. She helped me a lot after my mother passed away. Uh, but over the pandemic, we've been discussing a lot of these things uh, about why we do what we do. And she's way ahead of the game because, first of all, she does a lot of self-care. And if I go to a therapist, I know that through limbic mirror neurons or limbic resonance, her emotions can affect mine and mine can affect hers. So therapists who are really doing a lot of things to stay balanced, those are the therapists that can maintain a practice over a long term. And they're also the therapists that make me feel like, okay, they're good, so they can help me feel better. That's a really good point. It's like you can't give from a place of emptiness, what you don't have. So we're going to be focusing a lot in this series on self-care and on reversing burnout and really first thinking about what can I do? What do I need to feel more comfortable right now? Because that's really the question. Um, That's really the question as we're, as we're trying to help people. Absolutely. And the second thing I really love about Deborah's practice is when you walk into her office, there's all this whimsical art on the walls. Uh, She's brilliant at using intonation in her voice and facial expressions that immediately put me at ease or put her patients at ease. So she has a polyvagal informed practice. So, yes, uh, I guess I do. I didn't realize it, but I am interdisciplinary also. So um, ever since I've been a psychologist, I've been drawn to people in other departments, like my my friend in the English department and my friend in the religious studies department. I want to work with people who are doing things that are different from me because it always helps me learn much more than I could just kind of staying siloed in, in psychology. So that's one of the uh, the other reasons why I'm working with you is like peanut butter and chocolate, right? That's right. Don't get, or we like it when we get our peanut butter and chocolate mixed together. <laughs> and I'm the same way. I love an interdisciplinary approach and uh, I mix all sorts of things together in my practice. And I also, if I feel as if somebody outside of my practice would help somebody more, I'm perfectly willing to refer. You are really good at that. And there's a humility about that in you. I mean, I think it's really easy for us to sort of feel like we need to be able to solve everybody's problems and that we need to always be the right person for them to see. But um, I, I use you as an example of somebody who can easily say, I can't help you. You need to go to this person instead. Oh, I think if I felt like I could help everybody, that would feel like too much pressure. Too much pressure. Yeah. Well, so why are we doing Reconceive? Why are we here in the first place um, doing a podcast about helping the healers? Um, I guess my short answer to that question is we are human beings too. 
Yes, and we've taken a lot of time through the pandemic to discover great ways to approach self-care and also great ways to co-regulate with other humans. Right. So we're hoping that all of our listeners get a couple of key things. Um, The first one is just new information. Like you were talking about before, we need new ideas, new information um, in order to keep growing. So new ways for helping our clients feel better, new ways for helping ourselves feel better first. Yes. And two ideas surrounding a sense of connection versus isolation. I mentioned earlier the idea of self-separation where you are kind of unaware of what's going on in your life. You're just wandering through it. But also we're designed to co-regulate or to be around other people in a way that's healthy and soothing. Yes, we are. So that whole thing about buck up and soothe yourself, take care of yourself. There's only so much truth to that or in that because we, yes, we do self-soothe and we have to be able to do that. But really, we are made to help soothe each other. Yes. So another thing that we really hope that our listeners get is inspired, re-inspired at one time or another when you were going into your work Maybe you were a trainee, maybe you were a student, or maybe you were a lot younger. Um, I've been a psychologist for like 30 years. I must be really old. (laughs) (laughs) How did that happen? Um, We hope that you feel more inspired because it's better to go to work feeling inspired than to feel like you're going in bored. Yes. And that, that plays right into the idea of relief from burnout. because. The inspiration, I have, a, I have a practice that I consider very fun. And I find it fun because I'm always discovering new ways to help people with all sorts of different um, issues that they might have. Mm-hmm. And I find that very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's clear that you have fun doing what you do. Um, so in a moment, we're going to take a break. But uh, our email address, we really would love to hear from you um, about your practice and the things that you need the most right now. So um, our email address, if you would write to us, is reconceivedtherapy at gmail.com. And we will be back after this. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Burnout takes a toll on your effectiveness with clients, patients, and students, even your kids. Reconceive brings help for all the gifted helpers out there who want to make a difference, but first need to feel better, more awake, and more creative. Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield show you a whole new way to think about mental health and the body, offering insight and inspiration to help bring back the vibrancy and joy to your work in the world. 
If you teach, do therapy, or provide any kind of human service, it's time to reconceive. If you're struggling to understand your self-worth or deal with mental health challenges, you will want to tune into Your Life Matters Today with Dr. Cliff Robertson. Dr. Cliff and his guests will help you understand and work toward what you need to build your best life. Your Life Matters Today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. You're listening to Reconceive with Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield. Have a question for Deborah, Tracy, or their guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to Reconceive. Welcome back to Reconceive, the radio show about helping helpers. So let's talk a little bit about the effect that the pandemic has had on therapists of all sorts, helpers of all sorts. We've spent more than two years being deluged with scary news, worrying about a killer virus, losing people, watching our society implode or at least look like it, we may or may not have had a break in our practices or work. Some practices got busier. A lot of mental health practices certainly got Mm -hmm. busier. So a lot of people in healthcare have had a big rebound demand for their services, which can be a good thing, but also a very stressful thing. Yes, I would say and others have said that we're now in a mental health pandemic. Um, And that's really not a secret. Um, It started a number of years ago before COVID-19 hit, but it has been made tremendously worse by COVID and by shutdowns and by isolation and by illness. Maybe you know this to be true because maybe you've experienced your own mental health crisis in the past couple of years, or maybe you see it in your client's Maybe you see it in your children or your friends. I don't know anybody whose life hasn't been changed um, by all of this. And I want to reflect on a New York Times article that came out, I think in January. Um, Tara Parker Pope wrote about 
um, therapists being worried, uh, my friends and I all passed this around. Um, it, it was about how, yes, we're much busier than we used to be. Uh, we have waiting lists if we didn't have them before. And our clients' issues are stronger, more intractable. It's more difficult to treat them. We're seeing um, really scary things happen. I'll just um, disclose I've lost a couple of clients through the last couple of years to suicide. That's a very horrendous experience um, for a mental health professional. So um, in surveying mental health professionals um, all over the country, different organizations have established that, yes, we, we are worried and we are burned out. And um, it's because the problems that we are facing in our clients are, are much more severe. I believe it was 2021 that was declared a national emergency for children's mental health um, because of the, the shocking um, increases in, um, in ER visits uh, for children of all ages um, that were mental health related. So, um, and a number of, of studies, uh, one done by the American Psychological Association, I think last year, um, talking about Americans being in survival mode, and that for many of us, the pandemic has been the most traumatic thing we've ever experienced. I believe it. If we are unconsciously scanning the environment to make sure we're safe, a lot of people feel unsafe, which, like you said, moves us into survival mode. Mm -hmm. So either fight, flight, or freeze. Oh, and there's yeah. really no health growth or restoration within those biobehavioral states. Right. So that's what we're in, fight, flight, or freeze. When we feel like we're just surviving, we're in one of those three. Absolutely. And those biobehavioral states don't allow us to heal which is why it's so important right now to be able to self-soothe mm -hmm. and to be around people that help us co-regulate. Mm -hmm. Those things will help move us into what's called social engagement. Mm -hmm. And this is all from polyvagal theory. Social engagement is where we heal. It's where we heal. Right. Thus connection. Thus you're, connection. You're going to hear us say that over and over again. Um, so, so yeah, nearly 30 years ago, so a long time ago, over half of mental health clinicians met criteria for clinical depression, which might surprise you. It might not surprise you. Um, I know a lot of therapists who deal with depression on kind of a regular or ongoing basis. And so this, uh, this was w well before the pandemic. Um, there was another finding, um, that about 40% of therapists felt emotionally exhausted. And again, this was before the pandemic. So, you know, thinking about those percentages and thinking about how, how you feel as a helper, you know, whether you're a psychotherapist or, or a social worker or a nurse in a hospital, or even somebody who's caring for their aging parents, um, you know, being in a helper role, um, you know, think about if that fits that emotional exhaustion, feeling like I got nothing. I think that's very common these days. And I think therapists are more vulnerable than they realize. Mm -hmm. 
so even before the pandemic, I knew of massage therapists who would leave the practice because their clients' emotional disturbances would be felt by the therapist, and it became overwhelming. Yeah. And I, I think the pandemic has only um, amplified those feelings. So this work can be very exhausting. It really can. And I think it can sneak up on you. Um, during the pandemic or um, th- that we're still in, I guess, uh, there was an initial shutdown, as you might recall, in 2020. Everything kind of stopped. And um, I was still seeing clients, but I was seeing fewer of them. I think people were afraid. Uh, we were doing telehealth, but I think everybody was kind of thinking, am I going to have the money to do this anymore? So it slowed down briefly. Um, I had a little break. I tell Tracy that um, I was in this office house alone because my colleagues had gone home to do uh, telehealth there. And I was here because the Wi-Fi was really strong. So I had the place to myself and I had a lot of fun and, um, you know, played the piano and sang and painted walls and things like that. Um, But by the fall of 2020, the floodgates opened. And really, um, I was doing all the work that I could do. And I was having to turn people away and trying to, you know, get younger therapists to come on board so that we could refer people to them to get them going. Because I was starting to feel like, oh, this is, I'm breaking all my rules about how many people I can see in a day or a week, but really feeling pressure to say, yes, yes, I can help. Oh yeah. A lot of, I think a lot of helpers are inclined to say, yes, I can help. Mm -hmm. I had the opposite experience. Mm My, you know, normally people don't look toward body workers for emotional help, Mm -hmm. but so my practice actually decreased which is also very stressful, dis- very stressful. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of re- redesigning my practice to let people know that body work can help with emotional problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back to this idea of burnout, we need to talk about that because a lot of people have that now. Um, here's a definition uh, that comes from the literature. This comes from 2018, Norcross and Vandenbos. And by the way, in the show notes, we've got references to all sorts of literature for you to read about this. But um, burnout is defined as a psychological syndrome in professionals working with other people in challenging situations characterized by fatigue and exhaustion. Um, it's emotional exhaustion. It's feeling overburdened and depleted. Um, it's a feeling of depersonalization, almost like, who am I? I don't. I don't really know what I'm doing anymore or why I'm doing it. And a negative or cynical attitude towards people, which might surprise you, and a diminished sense of personal accomplishment. Um, So the opposite of that would be... Work engagement. So we want to help everybody who's in a helping profession sculpt a practice that actually they find very enjoyable. Yes. Um, knowing that we're human beings first. Yes. We're absolutely human beings. We're not superhuman. We experience the trauma of world situations, just like our clients do. Um, Several years ago, 
I figured out that I needed for every, say, four hours of therapy that I did, I needed at least two hours of self-care. And that could fluctuate and vary by the week, by who I was seeing. But literally half of the time that I would spend actually face-to-face with a client needed to be walking, uh, seeing my own therapist, uh, doing meditation, whatever it was to take care of me. We are human beings first. Yes. And I know my self-care demands went up dramatically during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, we've got a couple of letters that we want to read um, from um, therapists who have um, given us permission to read their letters about their experiences over the last few years. Um, and we'll do that after the break. For now, um, let's just give a, a shout out about compassion fatigue, because we hear a lot about this. This is, you know, not just feeling tired and not just feeling like I really need a vacation. It's sort of this feeling of, I don't care. Like, like I don't have it in me to care. Right. And that's a real problem for helping professionals. We're supposed to care. Yes. But at some point you just can't. Right. So if you reach that point, you know that you need things that are going to help pull you out of that nosedive. And we have a lot of things that will help. Right. First and foremost, you need to be aware and present and connected to yourself. Yes, first and foremost. So um, when we return from the break, we'll talk a little bit, little bit about um, these letters. We'll read these letters from our colleagues. And then Tracy is going to guide us in a little bit of coming home. And I'll even do a little bit of that right now because it's important since therapy, trauma therapy, is becoming much more body-oriented, it's important that you begin a practice of feeling your own body. That means, what does your body feel like right now? For example, if you're sitting in a chair and both feet are on the floor, does one foot touch the ground differently than the other? Mm-hmm. Or where your sits bones are touching the chair, does the right side feel like it touches the chair differently than the other? Because noticing differences like that is what provides your brain with new information. Right. So it ties directly into neuroplasticity. When your brain gets new information, you have new possibilities. And I stole that quote directly from Anat Banyel, who is a luminary in the field of neuroplasticity. And who you're about to be training with very soon. Yes, I leave Tuesday and I'm very excited to be studying Anat Banyel method. Yes. Okay. So more about that after this break. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
Burnout takes a toll on your effectiveness with clients, patients, and students, even your kids. Reconceive brings help for all the gifted helpers out there who want to make a difference, but first need to feel better, more awake, and more creative. Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield show you a whole new way to think about mental health and the body, offering insight and inspiration to help bring back the vibrancy and joy to your work in the world. If you teach, do therapy, or provide any kind of human service, it's time to reconceive. Are you inspired by stories about personal empowerment, well-being, and the motivation to achieve more? Get ready for Next Steps Forward with Chris Meek. Each week, Chris will talk with experts and icons from different walks of life who personify energy, direction, excitement, and purpose as they take bold steps forward in pursuit of excellence and service to others. Tune in to Next Steps Forward, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Alexa Smart Speakers and Connected Devices. Hey, Alexa, play Being Here Podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Try it now. If you are a senior and want to share with the world an epiphany you had or want to hear the stories of others, you'll want to tune into the Something Happened Talk Show, Seniors' Accounts of Overcoming Challenges, with your host, Dr. Veronica R. Lynch. Dr. Lynch and her guests will inspire you with their accounts of epiphanous moments in their lives. The Something Happened Talk Show, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Reconceive with Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield. Have a question for Deborah, Tracy, or their guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to Reconceive. Welcome back to Reconceive. Here are a few letters from our colleagues working in private practice. I have been overwhelmed with the demands of time and emotional energy from trauma work, documentation, worry about the ambiguous insurance requirements, and lack of time and energy to find and absorb and integrate guidelines and expectations, fear of audits and take backs, having little to no energy for personal relationships and responsibilities, let alone enjoyments. And that's from Kim, a trauma counselor. Yeah. Wow. So Kim is working with third-party payers. um, And it sounds like having to jump through a lot of hoops to get paid and, and worry about the kind of documentation she's using. Um, so, and, and fear of audits. I mean, that's a really scary, stressful thing to, to worry about. It is. But the thing that really jumps out at me is no energy and no time for personal relationships. And so she's, it's amplifying her lack of, or it's reducing her time and ability to connect with other people. Right which makes everything worse. So um, let's go on to the next letter. So this one is from Leah. Um, 
who's also in private practice and a, a trauma therapist, she says, it's funny before becoming a therapist, what I looked forward to so much, hoping it would free up time and energy actually became more of a challenge. I thought it would have all this me time and uninterrupted time to spend with my kids. While it's true that I'm able to uh, make my own hours, I feel like I'm always on duty. My phone is my brain, calendar, and primary way of communicating with clients. Most clients are very respectful of boundaries, but I still get some people trying to schedule or reschedule after normal working hours. It's exhausting keeping track of everything while trying to be present with my family. It's impossible, really. I could ignore texts or calls until the next day, but then I'm running the risk of forgetting. Plus, I feel compelled to address notifications as they roll in. I'm extremely annoyed with myself about it. So all that is challenging, so all that is challenging and it leads to burnout. Burnout sneaks up on me without warning. In fact, sometimes it needs to be pointed out before I realize why I feel like crap. I find it hard to set aside time off. When I decide to take a day off and write it in my calendar, a lot of times I end up scheduling people anyway. I feel compelled to get them in as soon as possible. Plus, if I don't work, I don't make money. No PTO. That sounds incredibly stressful. It really does. And I'm so struck by the device, the issue of the phone. And and how many of us probably feel the same way about our phones? It's like a love-hate relationship because we have to have them. You just can't get by without a cell phone now. And that is really the hub for most of us. That's the hub of a, of a business. Yes. And we're all in private practice or Leah is, you are, I am. Mm-hmm. This idea that if we miss work, we don't get paid is very stressful. So you, a lot of therapists end up making sacrifices um, that affect their own health Mm -hmm. to make sure they're able to provide income for their families or for themselves. Right. It's interesting, this thought of after working hours that Leah mentions I was thinking, oh, there's such a thing as after working hours. <laughs> I guess I'm on duty as well because I I often don't distinguish between working hours and after working hours. Right. So I'd call 24-7. 24-7. No stress there, right? No. <laughs> so what's the solution? I want to talk about a few things that come up in polyvagal theory. Because there are some very simple things we can do to feel better very quickly. Mm-hmm. One of the things, first and foremost, like I've said, come home to yourself. But there are practices you can do. You can breathe out longer than you breathe in. That stimulates what's called the vagal break. Mm-hmm. So it actually slows your heart rate and has a very calming effect bowing your head. So go back to breathing out longer than you breathe in. I talked to Deborah about this before we started the podcast. One of the easiest ways to do that is to extend your phrases. So talk just a little bit longer than you normally would, which is achieving two things. It's stimulating the vagal break to slow down your heart rate, But since uh, uh, cranial nerve 9, glossopharyngeal, and cranial nerve 10, the vagus nerve, 
have more parasympathetic or rest and digest neurons than any other, when you stimulate your vocal cords, quite often you're also stimulating a very calming feeling in your body. And I guess we could do that even if we are on duty, right? I mean, I could do that in the middle of a session. I could do that anywhere. Anywhere. Nobody nobody knows the difference when I do it. But a lot of people come into my office in a lot of pain Mm -hmm. because I've done this 12 years. I don't get to see easy clients anymore. Mm -hmm. The people that come to my door are usually desperate. So quite often they're combative. Yeah. So I just start extending my phrases so I can stay very calm and hopefully move them toward my calmness instead of them moving me toward their combativeness. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. And so coming home to myself might just mean pausing right in the middle of the chaos or right in the middle of feeling like, oh, I should be doing more, but I can't, and just extend that exhale or talk a little bit longer. Yes, because if they move you into fight flight, we've talked about this, the session can become a frenzy. (laughs) And when that happens, nobody benefits. (laughs) I think I have felt frenzy before. I probably hide it pretty well. Like you might not know from just looking at me that I feel frenzied on the inside. Right. That's a very good skill to have in your, in our profession. The poker face. But, but then, you know, if I'm hearing you right, my client could probably feel it if I'm in a frenzy. Oh, absolutely. Mirror neurons. Most people or a lot of people think of mirror neurons as motor neurons, but those emotional mirror neurons are very powerful. Mm -hmm. So the minute you're in your office with a client, it's a combination of your nervous system and their nervous system. Mm -hmm. So it's very good if you can move them toward a healing state with your energy. Because if you're fatigued, or you haven't been doing enough self care, it's going to be very easy for you to slide toward their emotional state. Which would explain some of the thoughts that I've had during some of the roughest sessions or some of the, some of the most complicated clinical situations. Because I've had the thought, what do I do? I don't know how to help this person. I'm not being very effective. I can't seem to reach him. And I really need to be careful about my thoughts in session because that energy could be perceived. I could be changing my nervous system with those thoughts. Yes. And we talked about this the other day, and it seemed revelatory at the time that as a therapist, we need to think what will make me comfortable? What will make me as a therapist feel comfortable in this situation? Mm -hmm. And we need to do that right away. I remember when you said that, and I was reminded of being a graduate student and back in Dallas and being in therapy with um, Dr. Larry Campbell, who 
maybe he's listening. I don't know. Hi, Larry. Uh, anyway, he just got up in the middle of the session and went to the bathroom. And I thought, oh, that's great. I would never do that. But <laughs> you know, he just was taking care of himself right then and there. Yeah. He was listening to the needs of his body, Yeah, which in our society, we've really, in a lot of ways, been trained to ignore our own needs, our own bodily needs, yeah. and push through. You're absolutely right. And, and I have been trained, for sure, to be more focused on the other than on myself. Now, that partly comes from psychology training, but it also comes from my family of origin and my religious training as a child. I didn't say this earlier, but um, I have a background at, as somebody who grew up in fundamentalist religion. And the focus of my social training as a kid was to kind of ignore what was going on in my body really to just ignore that I even have one and focus on what I can give or focus on the other person and what they need of me. Just pretty, that's, that's pretty screwed up if you think about it. It is. Well, that's, I think, why you chose this beautiful title, Reconceive. Mm. We really need to think about these whole ideas differently. You know, mainstream American culture really encourages disconnection, both yeah. in body and in relationship. Yeah. You know, we're taught to ignore our bodily needs, and we're also taught that independence, mm -hmm. the ability to do things on your own is the ultimate, you know, goal. Yeah. yeah. But really, connection is the ultimate goal. Uh, yes. And we're going to be talking so much about the health in that rethinking this old idea of just stand on your own two feet. Um, yeah. So what we're, what we're wanting to do here is to reverse uh, some effects of, of our, our training, our social training, um, our training as therapists to be all focused on the other, but our cultural training, our social training to be, um, isolated and stand on our own two feet. So yeah, that's one of the the first areas that we need to address this loneliness, this physical isolation. Um, therapists work behind closed doors. Even you work behind a closed door. Yes. We sit in chairs. Well, you don't sit in a chair. I sit in a chair. I'm, I move constantly and I'm thanks, thankful I'm, for that. I wish I could do that. I find myself sitting in that chair right there and thinking, I wish I could get up right now. Right. Well, that's that's the trend. So, mm -hmm. you know, mental health care is becoming much more body oriented. Mm -hmm. And Deborah and I have explored a lot about body psychotherapy. The idea that your body is what's providing your brain with more information than anything else. So most of the information our brains process is movement. So after every correction that I do with my clients, I ask them to stand up and move around. Mm -hmm. And I explain that it's much easier to feel changes while you're moving. Yeah. So we're going to be working to sort of reverse that. Um, we're also going to be working to reverse um, some of the habits that therapists have um, gotten themselves into. 
our conscientiousness, our emotional isolation, our vicarious traumatization. We have we have a lot to talk about there. Um, demanding therapeutic relationships where you you might even be somebody who gets hit or <laughs> uh, who gets yelled at or something like that. We're we're going to be talking about how to deal with all of those things. Um, but at this moment, maybe it's time to come home to the body. I think again. so. We'll end with a very short exercise or really a awareness exercise, visualization exercise. A lot of people have a lot of muscle tension that is not necessary. It's um, firing from the brain that causes muscles to tighten that don't need to be tight. And a lot of people become very unaware that they have a skeletal structure. So I just want you to take a moment, whether you're seated or standing, and I want you to imagine that you are just a skeleton, no muscles, no connective tissue. Take a moment and visualize yourself as a skeleton and imagine the bones of your feet, the bones of your lower leg, the bones that form your knee joints, your femurs, the sides of your pelvis and the back of your pelvis. Follow that all the way up through your spine. See, feel your rib cage, your cranium, and your jaw. Simple exercises like that will bring you home to your body. Thank you for joining us. I think Deborah has a few more words to say as we leave this radio show. So next time, if you join us, we will have Dr. Amy Banks, who has written four ways to click and wired to connect. And we'll talk a lot more about reconnection. Write to us at reconceivedtherapy at gmail.com. And we hope to see you next time. We would love to hear from you. We want to answer questions that you have about this show because we really have been working hard to make this a show that will help you get back to enjoying what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Reconceive. We hope you've learned something today you can use to reconnect and feel better. Tune in next week for more on transforming practice. Until then, have a great week.